Have we been doing this for over a year now or no? <laughs> no? No. No, okay. <laughs> you made it sound like this has been going on forever. Man. <laughs> it's, a fair, it's a fair question. How long does it feel like? I don't know. I don't remember when we did the first one, to be honest with you. It must have been in the wintertime, right? Yeah, that's what it... Yeah. I, feel, I feel like it was more like October. Yeah, the end is in sight. The end yeah. is in sight. It's about to blow up, I feel. I feel. Oh, we're so, on the tipping point. Okay. All right, you ready? Ready. Hey there, Squash fans, and thanks for coming back to another episode of The Breakdown with myself, Connor O'Malley, and my co-hosts, Bill Buckingham and Paul Johnson. We're excited to be back in action after taking a little bit of a break, and we pick right up with that Olympic torch to talk about our top three sports movies of all time, and another topic that's rarely talked about in the squash community, the Olympics. After the show, stay tuned or just skip ahead to the end for the appendix. This time, Bill shares a story that I actually laugh at. You know, there's a first for everything. By the way, this episode is number 17. A couple times we refer to, to episode number 16. And if you're confused, don't worry, so were we. A quick thank you to our sponsor, Pro Sport LED your trusted lighting source for racket sports facilities like squash, tennis, pickleball, or padel because of its advanced LED lighting technology. These lights are a perfect solution for anyone building a new facility, but they can easily be retrofitted into existing courts. If you're looking for lights or know anyone that is, please go ahead and connect us at squashradio at gmail.com. That's squashradio at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed the show. What about this? This call is being recorded. So we strive for it, Squash Radio. Good enough. <laughs> Mediocracy works. Mediocrity. There's no meritocracy in mediocrity. Ooh, I could write that down. Well, that's a tongue twister. It's pretty good. There you go. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to The Breakdown with myself, Connor O'Malley, and my co-hosts, Bill Buckingham and PJ. Welcome to the show. Good Connor. See that we don't we don't even know when to speak now. It's been so long since we've done one of these so shows. Long. Where have you guys been, by the way? So it's been, I mean, this is like months and months. I come every week. I come to this. I log in. I wait. I wait. I wait. I talk to myself. Talk to the voices, if you will. And if there's no voices, I talk to myself. Uh, sh- shout out. Uh, shout out a favorite band of mine. But uh, where have you guys been? Uh, I'm actually finally back on uh, U.S. soil, chaps. After uh, a long stint over in London uh, due to this whole covid pandemic i got caught in the uk as you know waiting for the embassy to open up in london to get all my paperwork authorized and stamped but then managed to find a window where the uh, world championships in chicago was taking place and i managed to travel out and come along with the squash tv crew and jumped on their bandwagon and managed to extend my stay for about three months now so i'm here till october the 10th and just still settling in uh, to life in New York. It's been a quite a strange transition being away for a, a year and then coming back to, to the city. Uh, but it's been nice. It's been good. The weather's been uh, brutal, uh, in short. It's 30-odd degrees with uh, about 70% humidity, and I'm constantly walking around dripping in sweat. But it's good to be back. So, uh, yeah, it's an, and it's good to, good to hear you guys' voices again after such a, such a long wait. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been it's great actually. PJ, I saw you. I knew you were back in town. You and I played golf a couple weeks ago uh, out in Connecticut. We had a uh, we a lost. We lost on the 18th hole. We we were down three down with three to play. We yep. won. We took hole 16 with a, a a dramatic two putt par for me to 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 bring us to one down. Yep. Um, you won 17. I mean, to two down. You won 17. Yeah, we got it. We got it to uh, one down with one to play, and then we both put our drives into nowhere on 18 and completely choked. That's correct. It was yep. nice. We actually chipped in on the 16th and, and contributed because that was about the only contribution of the 18. But we won't go too much into the details of the, of the match. So, so just be. I did play horrible. There's no question about that. And you, you were very steady. Uh, but just know that I did win hole number nine um, with another par, and I also hold uh, also won. We helped have number 10 which you hit a professional style shot on number 10 which we could talk about if you want um a blind shot out of the bunker to a down on a downhill two-tiered green you spun the ball it stopped on the slope on the top of the slope spun backwards a revolution and then trickled down and rimmed the hole for a tap in par that uh that that basically sealed the hole basically so that was a it was an amazing shot to watch so uh, after that yes my game completely fell apart after that and you you played very well so Thank you very much, Paul. It was a, no, a valiant team effort, but it was, a, it was about yeah, a little. We came up a little short, but it's it's good to be back, um, Connor. Uh, episode. Let's just call it, you know what Gary Gibson or Barry is it Barry or Gary? I always forget now because I call him Barry so often. He's like on an episode like 197 or something like that. Barry walked so we can fly. How's how's that? I've, I've wanted to say that Barry 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 Gibson yeah, walked so we could fly. We'll we'll see if it makes uh, it past the cutting room floor. Ah, I think this is your. Here Your third, at least maybe third or fifth time you've tried it. I've, I've said that line in three different shows and you cut it all three shows for some reason. I don't know if Barry Gibson's like, you like hold something over your head. I don't know what the deal is. No, no. It's, it's, are you are you afraid to offend Barry Gibson? Uh, yes or no? N- not at all. A lot of, t- so this one totally makes sense. What y- you kind of fail to remember or recognize is that I started first. Yes, and he did. Yeah, you, and then he came on board. And he has just lit it up. I mean, yeah. two hundred, almost two hundred episodes is just amazing a volume of, of work. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not throwing shade on him by any, any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm just saying, um, every time I mention his name, you cut it. So. <laughs> this is so. a better context. All right, okay. we'll leave it in. All right, let's go. We're ready. We're All ready. Right. So we have a, a good show today. Why don't you describe to the, uh, to the listeners if they're still out there? I know. Sorry, guys, we've been gone for a long time. Summer, summer happens, as they say. Yeah, so the first part in the ratings and rankings section, the R&R, we're going to go through our top three sports movies of all time. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. I, I put a, a lot of thought into this. You uh, did? Yeah, I put it. Yeah, I even, you know, did the some soul searching. I did. I looked up some some different blogs to kind of jog the memory. I'm, sh- um, I'm shocked you have even watched three sports movies, Connor, to be honest. With oh, you. come on. <laughs> so that is bad. just so. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, so after that, Bill, what are we going to dive into for the main breakdown? Hey, so a new topic that really is never discussed in squash before. So we're on the forefront of this. So, you know, Barry Gibson, eat your heart out. I don't think you've even talked about this squash in the Olympics. What? Uh, I know. Can you imagine? Like unheard of. I've never, I haven't heard a podcast like delve into this. So it's like it yeah. must be a taboo subject. So we're going to talk about squashing the Olympics. These summer Olympics just finished up. So we're going to kind of get each one of our thoughts on, on the Olympics themselves and squashes place or no place in the Olympics as it were. So, um, yeah. yes, squashing the Olympics, the ever, you know, it's the topic you talk about when it's the dead of summer and there's no squash going on. <laughs> well, yeah. and also the, the Olympics just happened. So. And, the Olympi- and the Olympics just happened. Right. So exactly. Exactly. Maybe and, we should 
couch this for uh, another three years, normally yeah. four years. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't want to talk about uh, PJ predicting Marwan El Sharbagi would win the Worlds, right? Like, we didn't want to talk about that, right? It wouldn't be the first prediction that I'd got wrong, and I can assure you it won't be the last. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. So well, he was he was batting. Uh, you know, he had a fifty-fifty average there because he got Nor. I got El Shabini. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, I was one for I was one for two also. Connor, I don't think you picked anybody to win. So, uh, no, I did. Uh, I I piggybacked off of yours. Oh, so, okay. Well done. Um, well yep. done. Carrying Connor to, since two thousand seven. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the ratings and rankings section. So. Our top three movies of all time, and we kind of debate about how to do this. Should we run through each other's? Should I go first, then we go? Yeah. Around why, around? why don't you Why don't you go first? Okay. Because you're going to be quick. Usually, PJ and I go on for hours, and by the time it gets to you, it's like literally nobody cares about the topic anymore. So we're going to give you a chance to shine here, Connor. All right. So these aren't necessarily in my order, but the, here are the top three. So number one, I'm going to mention is Moneyball. Oh, great! Interesting. Right? Yeah. 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 I movie. also think. It's a, it's a great movie. So well done. It also kind of hits that like my Venn diagram of like love of business and like a really good storytelling. So like it's, you know, I geek out on that kind of stuff and yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So when's the last time you watched Moneyball, Connor? Or have you watched Moneyball is the question I should ask. Honestly, I think I've, I've watched it like maybe five or six times. Oh, really? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Great. Uh, I agree. Great movie. It, obviously, if you follow baseball at all, you know the influence that Billy Bean and that whole sabermetrics, uh, has had on the game uh, for better or for worse. Some people think it's absolutely ruined baseball and some people think it's revolutionized baseball. So I guess it depends where it lies, but yeah, the movie itself, dramatic um, Jonah Hill's in it. He's like awesome. Um, Incredible. That story of that a season. Uh, Cause I remember that a season. Well, when they won like 20 in a row, it was just phenomenal because you know, it was, it was a big, big you know, the Yankees were very good back then. So I was really into the Yankees uh, as I am now, but uh, yeah, just a, just a great, great story. And obviously Brad Pitt, uh, good, good actor and pulled off the role. He actually looks a little like Billy Bean in real life. So uh, that, that also helps. Did, wow, the... I think that was up there with one of uh, Brad Pitt's best performances. I mean, yeah. everybody remembers, I mean, he's still devilishly handsome and the, you know, but the role that he plays in that he's kind of, he's matured into that role. And I just felt, as far as an active performance goes, it's about as good as I've ever seen of him. I just thought he'd, he'd kind of really come. And that, that combination with Jonah, I thought that the way they interacted was it was absolutely... I mean, I'm, I'm not a massive baseball fan, but I don't think you need to be to watch a movie of that that kind of quality to, to appreciate you know, the, the whole storyline and uh, the, the way that, that that season, how that turned around, going on that whole metric, that system that Jonah Hill kind of implemented into into a baseball. Yeah, uh, and it's still going on. They're still good. I mean, yeah. they, they, have a, they have a Billy Bean gets a little a little um, little slack because he's never won the championship. But right. they've with their payroll, they've kept competitive for since since then. Actually, they've had very few down years, and right now they're leading the Yankees in the wild card chase. So they're right there in the wild card do they, chase. Do they still continue to play with that that theorem? They do. Ah, oh yeah. He, He's actually part owner of the A's now, so he's still still running them, but he's also has an ownership stake. So he's kind of gone to the next level. But yeah, he's never left there because at the end of that movie, it was kind of it ended where like the Red Sox, I think, were offering him a job. Well, and a half million dollar contract, the highest paid uh, uh, MD, wasn't he? And then yeah. I think the Red Sox actually within the next year, season or two, using that system, won the World Series. Right. They they hired Epstein instead of him. And, yeah. and and they won the World Series, and then Epstein went to the Cubs and won the World Series. So, Connor, since since this is your your movie, what's your favorite scene in the movie? Oh, um, this is where we test whether Connie actually watched the movie or not. There's so many. I think the discovery of Jonah's character when Billy's at the Cleveland Indians, yeah. and 
they're kind of negotiating and suddenly <laughs> Billy has that realization that like everyone's listening to Jonah. Like what's up with him? Who and so he comes up and he's like, who are you? Yeah. Right. Right. So no, that is really, yeah, that's a good scene. I, I like, I like the, um, not did you ask, but my favorite scene, I have two favorite scenes. My favorite, oh, yeah. favorite scene, Bill. Fit my, thank you. PJ, I appreciate that. Um, is when they're, they're, they're doing a trade and they're kind of uh, oh, yeah. he's pretending, pretending ah! that, he, that, that there's somebody that they want and he's offering them money for him and ask him, ask, offering a hundred thousand dollars for him. And they're kind of hanging up and having his, uh, oh, assistant yeah. call the agent and going back and forth. And then Jonah Hill's like making like gyrations. Like he's, yeah, and he's, he's like, like, got him, got him. And then he's like, yeah, crunches his fist. You can't yeah. see us, but we're yeah. reenacting. I, 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 that's my favorite scene. So the next two, I, I realize in, in, in retrospect, both have a similar theme, and it's uh, USA versus Russia. And so you probably know where I'm going with this. This is Rocky Four yeah. and Miracle. Wow. Two great ones. Those are two great ones. Yeah. Rocky Four is just kind of funny. I mean, the whole Drago thing is just so funny. It's so blatant. It's so like jingoistic. It's just like the, the <laughs> how do we in, how do we add another episode to the series? This is franchise, right? Like, yeah, exa exactly. If you could change, we could change. Great ending speech. The the so my yeah. So go ahead. Favorite your favorite scenes, Connor. Go ahead. Give them to us. For the, I mean, with Rocky, it's just when he starts training. Yeah, and it's I know it's cliche, but it's his training scenes, and you know it's like. How are we going to make this the similar training scene, but he's doing it like in the mountains with the snow and like, you know, yeah, climb, yeah. yeah. But PJ, are you familiar with that, with that at one? I'm a massive fan of the entire Rocky uh, series. Yeah. I mean, you've got obviously Ivan Drago with all the state of the art technology showing per square inch, how much power he can generate. And then you've got, you know, Balboa carrying a, a tree log up a mountain in the snow. Yeah, exactly. In his, in his aviator jacket. You know, uh, and then he's you know the, the stuff that he was doing in the barn. He got the you know the whole yeah, barn yeah. in the background, and then Adrian's there, and he's doing all of these crunches and ridiculous training. Uh, and just the comparison between the two, it was just a complete non-event, wasn't it? Really, you got Drago, who's your perfect specimen, really, for a, a heavyweight, and then you've got Balboa's, you know, the, the classic story of you know the boy from the from the hood who's come out and, and done good, you know, David yeah. Goliath. Uh, in its element, and then you got you throw in the whole uh, USA and Russia scenario to the mix. It just it was it's pure entertainment, really. So, so being at the UK, could you appreciate that, like that, no, that uh, the USA versus Russia dynamic as much as like we could? Yeah, not as much as you guys could, but no, we we kind of we understood it, we got it. It was you know, it's the rivalry, isn't it? And we have plenty of those in the UK, as you can imagine. So that was uh, it was easy for us to relate to that. So there, if there was a movie where there was a boxer from the UK and say a boxer from Grenada, that would be kind of be the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe not. not All right, not, just, not just, or the the Falklands, maybe. Yeah, know, yeah, just, yeah. just trying to think, trying to think of some of the epic war battles that England has fought. So it's hard to hard to yeah, pull back. Um, so. You got Braveheart. The, There's plenty of, plenty of, plenty of, plenty of yeah, exactly. They're a little bit. Yeah. So the Rocky Four thing that the, the, there's two like obviously the, the the training scenes are awesome. Even the training scene with like Drago obviously blatantly taking steroids is really funny. And the the um, I will break you part, but but him killing killing Creed in the ring, that's pretty rough. I mean that's a rough scene. I didn't. I mean, he beat a guy to death. He beat a guy to death in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's, I mean, we should also say like. Spoiler alert, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But man, that's like, you know, you watch the other Rockies and obviously the fight scenes are brutal, but like he killed somebody in the ring. It's rough. It's rough, it's rough stuff to watch. I mean, it, it... and then with Miracle, um, you know, the sprint scenes when they're making him run uh, 
Yeah. Like all night. Uh, like yeah. that. Yeah. That was kind of like breaking them. Yeah. The, the, there, there was a, a, a clip at a baseball game the other night at Fenway Park and a guy was wearing the Eurizioni jersey and him and his buddy, it was like quiet. I think it was like a night game and there weren't that many people there. And his buddy kept yelling at him like from 10 rows away, like saying, who do you play for? And he kept screaming, the United States of America. And it, got, <laughs> it went all viral on YouTube. It was really funny. So, so my college roommate actually um, went to work at BU and um, uh, Eurizioni obviously worked in the sports department there. And he, he, he became really good friends with him and just said he was one of the greatest guys he's ever met. Somebody who basically parlayed one week of of like of the miracle into a life and like just a legend and but to turn out that he's like one of the this my buddy says he's one of the greatest guys he's ever met so which is really cool cool to know that he's, that he's a nice good guy there. yeah so um yeah all three great ones connor um shocking by the way i thought nice. for sure you're gonna you're gonna come up with something just so off the charts like weird or, like what would be i don't what know what were you expecting i don't know some weird show you watched it like you're buddy in college like produced to the, like three people saw honestly or something oh they may will be on my list so go ahead pj you're up next well i'm going to use one of the rockies for me rocky two i mean i love rocky the original rocky one but then where he actually overcame uh creed in the second fight it was you know the whole thing uh, adrian going into Labor, she she kind of uh, in, a, in, a, in a coma for a period of time. She wakes up, she looks at Rocky, and she, she literally just says, "What did she say? What was I can't remember the line." She said, "I want you to do something for him." And he's you know he's in the hospital, laying on the bed, and, and she just says, "Win, win." And then, <laughs> all of a sudden, you go to the whole you know the training scene where you've got the running up the steps and the, the, the throwing the medicine ball on the stomach and. Uh, but then the fact that he actually he beat Creed at the very end, I just thought it was. I, I watched that film. I no word of a lie. It must be upwards of fifty to sixty times as a kid. Yeah, we used to have it on a VHS uh, recording, and if ever I needed motivating, or I used to use that kind of to get me training for my you know my whole squash kind of uh, career at the time. It was Rocky would be on, and I just came out of the room just so pumped and motivated. It was uh, you know. Iconic. The, the, the thing with Rocky Two, and, and believe me, I, I you can't shade any of the Rocky series because they're they're all phenomenal in their own way. Rocky Two just has some of the dumbest things ever in it, though. The, the chasing the chicken part is really dumb. The parts where with Adrian, where he's trying to learn how to act and things like that, and do commercials and try to like capitalize on his Rocky fame, and just how dumb he is in it. it and Adrian is just like totally horrible in all of them. If they, they could take Adrian out of all of them, and I would be fine with it. But uh, yeah, Rocky Two. just the die. If you watch Rocky Two and like, just listen to some of the dialogue, it's just so stupid. Uh, yeah. it's, it's almost like they threw it together because Rocky one is actually pretty good, right? I mean, it's a pretty good, well-written, well-written movie where and Rocky he wrote II it himself. A, he wrote it himself like in an hour or something like that on an airplane, something like ridiculous. But yeah, I agree. Rocky, the fight scenes in Rocky Two, even though the ending where they both fall down is kind of ridiculous also. <laughs> but, all right. What else you got? Uh, I'm going to go for, we've actually spoken about this on one of our previous podcasts. Again, this goes back to my childhood, really. It was, uh, it's Escape to Victory, or Victory, as as you all know it. It's, you know, based on a soccer team that's compiled of a bunch of captives in, uh, in World War II, and they, they're put together as a, a team to play against the Germans. And I don't want to give too much away, but you've got some great, <laughs> great actual, I mean, Sylvester Stallone actually. I was going to say, a little franchise crossover here. Sylvester Stallone, the American yeah. Stallone, goalkeeper. If you know anything about soccer and you know and understand how a goalkeeper moves, when you watch uh, Stallone, his preparation and, you know, waiting to, uh, to kind of defend 
or try and keep out a penalty kick is horrendous. There's obviously yeah. been no technical input whatsoever. No. It's literally like they've taken the kid out of the, you know, the food line and said, listen, go and stand in goal and, and how would you stand if you're going to defend a, you know, a penalty kick? But then, yeah, so, so, so not to interrupt that, but didn't he come up like so? The big thing is you can't come off your line as a uh, as a goalkeeper, right? Like before the ball struck, and he he basically had. Our, I think he already dove. He's practically running out of the goal. You know, that's obviously. Yeah. On top of that, there was some absolute legendary uh, soccer players at the time: Os- Os- uh, Osvaldo Ardiles, Pele, Bobby Moore. You know, three of the game's greats at that time. Who also featured in it, and then you've got your Michael uh, Michael Caine starred in the movie as yeah. well. That so was a real oh, kind yeah. of mixture of sports stars and yet iconic actors as well. And it was just a you know a lovely blend. Yeah, so so I, I actually just watched that movie not long ago. Uh, believe it or not, it was on like a Sunday afternoon. It was all caught up and stuff, so it was difficult to watch. So th- there are some great scenes in that movie. Where they break the other goalie's arm, though? Oh my gosh! <laughs> right, that was br- brutal. Couldn't couldn't they just said like he had like a flu or something like that? Did they really need to break his arm? That was like like and, and they he probably all... thought of that afterwards. Like yeah, he was all for it too. He goes, yeah, make it a clean break. I'm like, dude, what the heck? He doesn't even get to escape either. The whole point was he like so. Not only do you not get to escape, we ha- we get to break your arm. So kudos kudos to that guy for for going through with that. And and then the Pele basically like just getting completely. His whole body busted up, but still doing the bicycle kick was just incredible. Well, it's <laughs> just... the scene before that where Ozzy Ardiles is running down the line and he does uh-huh. kind of the flip over the head. Uh-huh. He grabs the ball between his feet and the, the momentum takes the ball over, which is a, a move that's been used. But the way that's executed to then put in the perfect pass for Pele that then scores the you know the bicycle kick, it's just, you know, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Pure brilliant. I heard something like a, a radio show about that movie um, recently. And somebody said the only, the biggest flaw they have in that movie is there's like no chance at the end when they like try to have all the people escape that the Nazis aren't just gunning everyone down. Yeah. Yeah. They're just going to fire on everyone. basically. They're, they're, they're not letting those people leave the stadium. So there, there's like machine guns. Are gonna, everybody's going to get mowed down at the end of that in real life. My third and final, and this was a bit of a top, a bit of a toss up between the two. Um, first choice, would have possibly, if you can call it a sport, which you, I mean, I would, karate, it would have been Karate Kid. But as far as entertainment yes. goes, white men can't jump with uh, Woody Holton <laughs> and uh, Wesley Snipes. For me, I just absolutely oh, yeah. that uh, movie as a kid growing up. So you're um, saying in your top three, which one gets the nod? Are you saying white men can't jump? I'm going to say white men can't jump, just get the nod. Yeah. Just, I just think. Wow, wow, that's it. It's pure brilliance. uh, It's a little edgier. I get that. It's a little edgier, like you. I get that. So one, one underrated scene in Karate Kid that I always think about. It's the last scene, the very last scene, right, right after he 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 wins and he does does the crane technique. Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah, sorry about that. It's from this seventy year old movie. (laughs) Um, is that his his girlfriend Allie, uh, played played by Elizabeth Shue, who's you know, in this day and age, let's not call her, let's not body shame her, but she was a bit stout back then, right? She was like, you know, short, kind of blocky. She was, she was a solidly built girl. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel has just basically had his knee ligaments ripped out by Johnny sweeping the leg, right? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Miyagi goes in, claps his hands, what gets the leg ready so Daniel could hobble out there and do this. He wins it. She comes running out like a ball of fire out of the stands and just basically tackles him. 
like it hits him like a linebacker and like basically in real life would have shattered his knee again. I was like, easy, Allie. This boy just got done getting like his knee ligaments, you know, fixed by a by his surgeon, if you were. And Allie has no regard for that, just comes out and tackles him. So I, I, I just go on YouTube and watch the final scene and watch watch her come. She barrels out of there like she was like no tomorrow. So that oh, that I always found that to be very, very funny. Crabby Kid was the first sports movie, probably one of the first movies ever that I actually cried, like actually shed a little tear at the end when he won. And he said, Mr. Really? Mr. Miyagi, we did it. I mean, come on. I got a heart. I have a heart, Connor. Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi we did it. A little unnatural relationship between Mr. Miyagi and Daniel Sun, but we don't have to talk about that. Well, you Bill, know. over to you. What uh, what what makes your top three? Uh, so I know everybody's been waiting for this. They, they probably didn't really listen to you guys. They maybe fast forwarded to this part. Actually, yeah. um, we should, I should mark that. My number one sports movie is not as well known as other sports movies are, but it's it's a classic and it still holds up today. Um, it's a wrestling movie actually called Vision Quest. PJ, ever hear of it? Uh, no. Connor. Never heard it. I- I did because when I was wrestling in in junior high, uh, that was like the movie to watch, and I just could never get it for whatever oh, reason. <laughs> just to, to watch it. It's a, it's a phenomenal flick. It starts it stars Matthew Modine as a high school wrestler who is um, out in like uh, the Seattle, Washington area where high school wrestling's big. Uh, apparently, he just started wrestling the year before and almost almost won the state championship. So this is his senior year in high school, and his coach thinks he could win the state championship and help the team, but. He has more, he has visions and it's a vision quest and thus the name of the movie of higher things. So he wants to wrestle, shoot this phenomenal wrestler named shoot. Who's never lost a match in his high school career is a legend, all state, the best wrestler in the history of, of, of high school sports, I guess in Washington. But to do that, he has to drop like 20 something pounds and go in a lower weight class, possibly hurt the team. And, but it's for his, the greater glory. Like he's in for the big moments in life. And there's, he knows there's more to life than just high school wrestling and this would be like an achievement in his life so him and his dad live alone there's a girl who like car breaks down and starts living with him he has sex for the first time with her there's a lot of underlying plots to it but the main thing is is his training so what happens is in his training is that he starts like dropping the weight and gets unhealthy and starts bleeding out of his nose during matches and gets has to forfeit matches passes out in school all kinds of weird things happen to him as far as like his, his, the way his body changes. A day in he, the life of a, a wrestler. Day. So in the end, his coach tells him, look, you're not doing this. You're going back to being whatever weight he was, 190 or whatever it was. You're not wrestling shoot. This is it. And he's like freaks out and says, come on, coach. This is what I've been dreaming for. He goes, no, no. So instead, this is how it all changes the movie. And it's the greatest scene ever. And you guys should watch it. And I feel bad that you haven't because I feel like, like I have watched it by this point. All right. All right, go watch it. So Google Vision Quest, the pegboard scene. So after his coach yells at him and tells him he's not doing it, he goes out and on the uh, wrestling, which I don't never heard of it while they're practicing, he jumps out of practice and there's this pegboard where you have these two pegs and you climb peg by peg by peg, just using your arms to pull your body weight up, up to the top of the board. And apparently nobody's ever done it before. And he goes and his, all of his team is against him doing this because it's hurting the team. But once he climbs the pegboard, his whole team is for him now. And because he could climb the pegboard, his bloody nose doesn't mean anything anymore. His coach says, you could do it now. Just because of that one scene in the pegboard where 10 minutes earlier, he was hurting the team in his health. But he climbed the pegboard. Coach let him do it. In the end, he beat you. So things Spo- about this. Spoiler, yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, well, he, he beat you. This is like a 100-year-old movie. So, But the best part about this movie, honestly, is, is the soundtrack. So listen to this. I wrote these down. I had a look. I mean, I remember the songs. So the soundtrack had on it Journey. John Waite, Madonna, Don Henley, Sammy Hagar, and Foreigner. 
all had, and, and Madonna was in the movie as a bar singer singing crazy for you, like early Madonna, like borderline Madonna, like that Madonna, like just when she was like at almost at the peak of her stardom, just an awesome movie. I, I highly suggest you watch it. So I'm, I'm getting excited talking about it because at the very end, if you think the Rocky scenes are solid for training, if you watch Matthew Modine jumping rope before the shoot match to lunatic fringe, uh, the movie, the, you ever hear the song lunatic fringe, lunatic fringe, we all know you're out there. You know that song by Red Ryder? No, can you a few more bars, please? <laughs> well, watch, please don't, please don't. watch that and it stands up to any Rocky montage scene. So enough about right. Vision Quest. Watch it. Yeah, this episode is brought to you by Vision, Vision Quest. Vision Quest. So so my next favorite is Rocky 3, actually. Um, oh, my so, God. So we have Rocky 2, 3, and, and four. 4. Yeah, all about, all about Rocky 1, which is considered the best. Well, so, I think it's just such a classic, but like... Like, Rocky yeah. three. Well, number one, it's quick. It's like 25 minutes shorter than the rest of the Rockies, which is awesome. So you could watch it and turn it on on a Sunday and you know, it's going to be over in an hour and a half or whatever it is. So that's the best part of it. But also think about it like Mr. T Hulk Hogan, um, the, the Mickey, Mickey dies, <laughs> Mickey <laughs> dies, be- Mickey dies before the fight. Um, j- just, there's so much ridiculous stuff, but the best part I, I think about it is that, um, the, the training scene on the beach where he, beats Apollo Creed in the sprint. So that shows that he's ready to fight, obviously, for some reason. And then they, then they start frolicking in the water with each other and like <laughs> splashing water on each other. It's just so dumb and so weird. I could watch that forever. It's so awkward. I don't know like who thought about it while they're training on the beach together. And why they, while the movie Eye of the Tiger is playing, which is like one of the most iconic songs ever now for any kind of pump up at a sports event, right? I mean, that was not even a song that any had heard of before Rocky Three. Yeah, and totally. now now it's like I have the people use the term I have the tiger everywhere. It's ubiquitous in sports. So pretty, pretty iconic. And what what takes the last slot? Um, the, the last slot I'm going to go with. It's, it's a tie for a three way tie for third. All Kevin. Oh, Costner, come on. You... All Kevin Costner movies. All three way three way tie for third. Uh, Bull Durham. Bull Durham, the baseball movie. Tin Cup, the golf movie and American Flyers. Have you guys ever seen American Flyers, the biking movie, the cycling movie? No, no. Oh, you got to watch it. There, there's some there's some really great scenes in that one also. I won't, you know what? I, you got to pick one that goes okay. in. Okay. You got to make the hard cut. It's a tough one. It's a tough Full one. Term. I'll, I'll have to go with American Flyers. If it, for, re, for rewatchability, if all three of those were on at the same time at this, on, on, on different channels on a sun, rainy Sunday, I would pick American Flyers. Watch it and you'll know why. Okay. Watch it and you'll know why. It's a cycling movie. It's good. Hell of the West. Just know the Hell of the West could be tougher than the Tour de France if you watch that movie. So, but those are my three. Um, uh, there's so many good sports movies out there that didn't make the cut, and uh, but but those those uh, Kevin Costner had quite a, quite a run. American what? Flyers, Bull Durham, Tin Cup. I mean, that's that's a solid sports run. I feel like now I want to give my the ones that didn't make the cut for me. Go ahead, now. Go ahead. let's hear. Okay, them. remember the Titans? <laughs> Average. Go ahead. The Just Natural. Yeah. Oh come on, Robert give, Redford. That yeah. was awesome. But but rewatchability, like if it's on on a Sunday, yeah, you don't watch it. Just that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Thank you. And, and then uh, the mighty duck. Oh, Connor, please! <laughs> I can't even say it. the mighty ducks. <laughs> I've never seen a mighty duck, so I can't comment whether it's oh good or bad. Oh my god! I I think it was because literally that was my first exposure to like seeing a sports movie. That was like, oh wow, this is really cool. Um, it is so bad, but at the time when I was that age watching it, it was awesome. 
so before we get rid of this topic, I just want to go back to Vision Quest really quick because <laughs> I'm really disappointed you guys didn't watch Vision Quest. Um, so when you do inevitably watch it, so I recommend that you guys go on and try to find it and watch it. Just see, remember these two scenes when the um, the gay guy hits on Loudon. So Loudon works at a hotel as a, like a like a um, a room service delivery guy, and he's into fitness obviously. So he he knocks on the door with room service for this guy who's like a a sports representative, like sells sports equipment, and he's doing Tai Chi. While he's in there and Loudon asks him, hey, could I get a workout that way? Could I lose weight? And the guy goes, absolutely, you can. And he then proceeds to like show him how to do that Tai Chi and like grabs him in his nether regions and like hits on him. So very awkward for a movie that of that time. The head cook at the hotel gives a speech that rivals the Rocky speech of like, if we could change, you could change, I can change speech. So Google the Elmo speech before the Vision Quest, uh, in Vision Quest, and you'll see it. El Elmo the cook. Very, very, very tear jerking. Okay. I think we're gonna have to do a special uh, Vision podcast. Quest episode. Could we yeah, do a Vision just for Quest you episode? Where if you want, if you, if you want speeches, the best speech I ever heard, sports speech in a movie, was by Al Pacino in uh, Oh Any Given Sunday. Any Given Sunday. Oh my god! Unbelievable. Very good. Hundred percent. We we missed out. Yep. He's just an absolute classic. You can't you can't listen to that and not have all your nerve endings just going bonkers with the hairs on the back of your neck sticking yep. up. All right. So, so well, that was that was at the movies with uh PJ Connor and me. <laughs> that, like that would be a really good segment. If you're if you're still listening, we're going to talk about squash now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh so Bill, now we're going to go into the main breakdown and we're talking about a uh favorite topic within the squash world. So the Olympics. The Olympics. the Olympics. Um so yeah, and we know this this subject has been bandied about and and it's because the Olympics just ended. We want to talk about it a little bit. Normally we, you know, it's also summertime. So it's a, it's kind of a slow time for squash. The world's just ended. Now there's like a silver tournament going on in Manchester, but it's still summertime. So um, the summer Olympics just finished. Did you guys watch the summer Olympics? I watched I, some of it. Yeah. I always have trouble with the summer Olympics because it's number one, it's the summer. So it's nice out. I live in new England. It's not nice out a lot of times a year, a lot, a lot of the year here. A lot of times it's, it's, you know, cold, nasty. So tell me, Connor, you watch some of it. PJ, did you watch? I, I hate to sound like a real killjoy, but I, I did not watch. I hardly watched any any uh, Olympics this year. Were you boycotting it because squash isn't in it? No. <laughs> no. I've just lost a bit of interest. I just think the whole, the, the whole thing has just become so commercialized and it's lost its it's just lost its appeal to me personally. Do you think that will be true? Like for some reason, I think with the impact of COVID, yeah. Um, yes. I, I you know. Also, I was in transition, moving across from the from London back to the US. Um, Do I've you think with twenty twenty four, and and then also with LA twenty eight, like will that? Do you think you might have a different possibly? Possibly. Again, I'm maybe a bit biased, but for me, the, the coverage of the BBC is the best in the world. I think the commentators are the, the top draw. The coverage is just amazing. It, it, the way they do it, the way they put a show together is just quality, top quality from, from start to finish. I just don't get that same vibe when I'm watching here. I'm sure maybe 2024 and 28, that, that may be different, but it's a little bit hard to say. Just some of the sports that I'm now seeing in the games, how they try to stretch other sports out within the games to, to get more people to watch, trying to make certain sports more interesting to watch it loses a certain aspect of skill set and, and attributes of, of you know the, the hardcore sport itself so I'm, I'm just think it's it's now become such a money spinner that the actual 
the real skill is being lost a little bit. That's just my... Bill, you, you had a good take on this in terms of the kind of mainstream sports that are out there, but then also like the iterations of the sport that have garnered a lot of attention. So Yes. Yeah, so, so in my point of view, watching any of the Olympics, be it summer or winter, but mostly summer, um, is... I, I can't watch like the full games, like the sports that have full games. Like I can't watch like a baseball game or a golf tournament or, you know, um, basketball, softball. I can't watch. I mean, in the Olympics, I don't want to watch that because I watch that all the time. And it, it's not even the best players representing the United States anyways, but it's tough to get into that when I know that it's not the pinnacle of their sport, tennis, any of those full sports. So I actually enjoy the, the track. I enjoy the gymnastics. I enjoy like the swimming and things such as that. So, um, talking about the iterations, believe it or not, I watched three on three basketball. I didn't watch any of the real basketball, even though the U S won and they had a bunch of NBA players. I didn't watch not one minute of it, but I did watch a ton of the three on three basketball. It was, it was actually pretty exciting. They had like a clock and you played to a certain, uh, score and it was more like the basketball that you play like on the playground. So it was, it was pretty interesting to me. So the new sports that they're bringing in, to be honest with you, like breakdancing for, for Paris, I'll watch it. I, I've watched breakdancing on YouTube. It's really exciting and it's quick and it's fast. And I don't have to sit there and do, uh, devote two hours to it to watch because in the end, besides the United States, I have no rooting interest. So to watch, devote two hours to watch like a uh, tennis match or a softball game or a baseball game when I literally have no rooting interest for the most part. Meanwhile, I could watch international gymnastics, international track, international swimming of people I don't even know and have like and enjoy it with no rooting interest. So with squash, while of course I want squash in the, in the Olympics. And at this point it's mostly so people could stop asking me for these two weeks. The Olympics are on is squash in the Olympics. And I keep having to say no, and then describe to them what the Pan Am Federation is, which by that point they like, look at me like I've been talking about vision quest for three hours. So, um, you know, I, 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 that, that's really the main reason I want squash in the Olympics. Otherwise, honestly, I, I, I'm not that, not that I don't care, but, Maybe I don't care anymore. I don't know about you guys. I, I agree with you on the, the whole the, the pinnacle issue and you're not watching the best players uh, in, uh, in the world in those particular sports. For me, as you said, the, the gold medal of the Olympics should be the, 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 the biggest reward for, for the sports to be uh, an Olympic sport. You've got the likes of, you've got your four majors in golf, you've got your grand slams in tennis, you've got your World Series baseball. So should they really be included? Probably not. But then the other sports that you spoke to, that you discussed there, you, you know, you've got your skateboarding, your break dancing. Are they really Olympic sports? What? I know you enjoy watching them, Bill, and your three-on-three basketball. That's, mm -hmm. That might be great for entertainment, but that for me is not an Olympic sport. Yeah, it, it, I think that's the argument. I mean, what is an Olympic sport? Like, what, what makes an Olympic sport then? So if you think about it that way, so I think about track. So are hurdles an Olympic sport? Like, are... Um, so, so sprinting and running is for sure, but so you throw up an obstacle for them to jump over. So that, is that an Olympic sport? It's just like a bastardization of track. If you take any of those sports swimming, I mean, shouldn't it, you just dive in the pool and go as fast as you can, however you can, but yet they have breaststroke oh my and yeah. butterfly and backstroke. Those are all like jump We're, forms of the sport. Basically, in my opinion, it should be who's basically in the Olympics. If we break it down, there should be track like running straight running there should be boxing and there should be wrestling and those are the real that's three, it you know that's it that should be the olympics right yeah <laughs> i mean I, I think more sports could be included you know well i mean <laughs> it, it, the, the whole point is who's the who's the strongest who's the fastest right so and, how long and, before it, crossfit makes it into the olympics and i don't i don't have a good answer for this but if we were trying to iterate on the sport 
the squash that would be different from how it's normally played on the tour for possible inclusion into the Olympics, what uh, what would we throw at them? Oh, yeah. I mean, Bill may have a better answer because he was a big fan of the three-on-three basketball. Um, yes. It's obviously a diffused version of the sport itself. I really don't know where you could start going with it by reducing the number of points. How do you make more situations where you have tie-break scenarios or crucial rallies? I, I, I really don't know how you can you could integrate that in and, and then make the game more... Watchable because at the end of the day, it's the, the reason we're not in is is because of participation numbers, right? You look at just to compare some of the other sports. I had a look at some of the stats here, and it's it's ridiculous. Tennis, eighty-seven million participants worldwide. Skateboarding, eighty-five million participants worldwide. Badminton, two hundred twenty million participants. Soccer, over two hundred fifty million. Table tennis, three hundred million. Squash, twenty million. So the yeah. numbers, the numbers that we're re- reaching out to, are just—it's no wonder the IOC have little to no interest in the game because you've got your top four major sponsors who pay for about forty-five percent of the IOC's funding. You've got Visa, you've got McDonald's, you've got Coca-Cola and Samsung. So they're yeah. your four—they're your four major brands. So they're going to literally look at the, the numbers that squash are reaching out to, and it's of no interest to them to fund and bring it in as a sport because there's going to be no return in those right. kind of participation numbers. How do we make the game more appealing and, and more interesting and exciting to watch? Personally, I think the game right now, and I'm coming from a, maybe a biased uh, perspective, is as watchable as an ex- and as exciting as it has been in the last 20 years. The point of rally up to 11, you, you know, your video refs, you could maybe tweak the whole stroke let, no let situation. But as far as watchability goes, squash is as good as it has ever been and as exciting as it's been. How do you change that? I, I really don't have the answer. I don't know. I'd be interested to see what the other participation numbers are for the other sports like equestrian, because that's always been a, a funny Olympic sport for me because it's more the horse than the rider, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, as an aside, like if you're an equestrian for the United States, do you fly your horse to Tokyo or do you use a, a horse that's already in Tokyo? Does anybody no, you know? Fly. You take your own. You travel. You take your own horse there. Yeah. So you must have to bring your horse over like well in advance, right? Not not to get off well, track. I'm sure. Yeah, it's all kind of you know. Yeah, the yeah, horses get and travel issues and. Yeah, yeah. horses, visas, horses, I mean, horses getting a visa. I mean, that's got to be difficult. So for me to, you know, and I would, I would say we shouldn't do this. Squash should not do this. But here's to me, and Connor had uh, had brought one of these up to me in a conversation uh, that we had had to make squash more watchable to the public who don't watch squash. So to watch it on, like, you're tuning in, you flick on NBC, and you're like, wow, look at this sport, yeah. and um, no back wall. Okay. So no back wall in squash. You basically play it, and if the ball you hit a winner past someone, it goes past them, and the points over. So, so no back wall. So no extended rallies because I think the extended rallies would, you know, after a while, it would probably get a little boring because it's, you know, it just wouldn't be fun to watch because they people wouldn't recognize the nuance of it. Um, different colored ball. So I think the ball would have to be a brighter color. You'd have to be able to see the ball much better in order um, for people to enjoy it. The last one I would say would be. Um, Doubles on a singles court. So no back wall with doubles on a singles court. Four players on a singles court playing each other um, would be, I think, entertaining to the non-squash fan. Now, that being said, 
would it be worthwhile to make any of those changes besides the ball, the ball change you could always make. Um, and maybe they should think about doing that anyways, but would it be worthwhile for squash to get into the Olympics to have to make a change so radical to their sport that it's not really the sport anymore? Yeah, that's, that's the issue that you've got. I mean, the, the no back ball is just not going to work because you just, you just wouldn't have any rallies. Then that wouldn't be watchable. So, so you don't think with four players on the court, you don't think there'd be rallies with no back wall? No, they, they, they would be so short. You're going to need an open air area. Mm -hmm. Just the, just the, the dimensions and the way the court would be set up. I just don't think that would work. Well, you you would adjust the dimensions of the the, but, the entire. Then court. you run into the whole issue of what about all the courts worldwide? What do you then start to? No, no, that's no, the thing. We're not saying we're change our sport forever for that. We're saying if you wanted to get in the Olympics and they say, yeah, you could do it, but this is what you'd have to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not worth not worth it, right? Is is like yeah. to get into I the Olympics? I don't think it would work, but. No, no. I, yeah, I was just thinking like for, for an appeal, like, so, so I was thinking about the sport of handball. Like I would watch handball in the Olympics, like actual handball, not the team handball where they like, like run around. It's like water polo on the ground, but actual handball, like where you're playing against the wall against another person and there's no side boundaries. There's mm -hmm. no back boundaries. You ever go to the, like a park in New York and watch two really good players play handball? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, really cool to watch. And, and think about this. Like for the most part, most of the players, like the really good handball players that you see in New York are like ex-convicts who learned how to play in prison. So can you imagine some of the backstories like on NBC, like this guy, you know, he's been, he was in prison, learned how to play handball for 30 years while he, you know, was convicted of the X and X crime, but he's rehabilitated himself. And now he's a, now he's a handball player. How awesome would that be? <laughs> I, uh, I, I just, I, I get the feeling that the, the main issue that we've got with our game is it's not necessarily how many people are watching because if you use table tennis as an example, it's actually quite a small number of professional players that, that play, but it's all about the participation, num the numbers. And that's where I think possibly squash could look to go down that kind of route. I, I don't know whether the sport's necessarily going to start growing just because more people are watching. It needs to be expanded from a participation level, not a viewer, not a kind of a viewer, a viewership perspective. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. No, so, I gotcha. So maybe then to your point, we, and we've talked about this a little bit, but it's like, how do we make the version of squash more accessible? So, yes, you know, I think increasing the, the tin height, Right now it's uh, 19 inches, and we double that to maybe 36 or 44 yeah. for high to get people on the court. We get the ball, you know, different bouncier ball, which we have out there, and right. have at it. So, so interesting, you you brought up table tennis because that's one of those sports that I only obviously only watch during when it's on the Olympics for the most part. Yeah. And th think about the the dichotomy between that and squash for the non fan. So non fan of squash would probably get a little bored watching these long attritional rallies, right? Like be like, ugh. You know, ball didn't seem to be moving that fast on TV. Meanwhile, in, in table tennis, that's the most exciting part is the longer the rally, right? In right. A, a long rally in table tennis, usually maybe 10, 12 hits each, that'd be a huge long rally. And they make some, they dive and it's so exciting where a 30 hit rally each in squash for the Olympics would be boring as crap for anybody who's not a squash fan. Yeah. yeah. So it's, in, it's just an interesting thing. I, I think how to make those rallies shorter, how, would, how to make it easier to win a point in squash. It's simple, isn't it? You just yeah. lower the height of the tin. Yeah, that seems to be that seems to be it, right? And that's what they've they've introduced that to the Commonwealth Games, um, which is like a 
uh, for doubles, for right? You that, don't, that aren't aware, it's the it's, it's kind of it's like the Pan American Games, but it's for the Commonwealth countries. So they have all these big sports where they've introduced squash and, and now doubles, and they've reduced the tin. I think it's down to either eleven or thirteen inch tin height, and it's going in for the first time in the in the next game. I just think that will make the rally shorter, sharper, more exciting. So that will be a good, maybe a, a good opportunity just to see what kind of an impact that has uh, on the sport itself. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the 17-inch tin, it did change things initially in the men's and the ladies' game at the pro level. But these guys are so good. These girls are so good and so much more dynamic with their movement. They're fitter, they're stronger, they're more agile that they've just adapted to to that tin height. So it almost needs to be dropped down again, I feel, if you're going to create those those shorts. Because ultimately, Bill, like like you said, one of the issues with squash is it can come across quite monotonous and quite boring with those longer rallies. That eliminates yeah. the, the, the attritional side of the game maybe, but uh, so that could be a, a potential lost lost art, but it will introduce and encourage players to be a little bit more attacking and a bit more dynamic, possibly. Yeah, yeah. So in the end, last last words to either, either one of you: Is it worth it? Like any of these changes, is it worth it to just to get into the Olympics, or is there a bigger goal of getting more people involved with the sport? And that that's definitely worth it. But is it worth it to make any changes to squash just to get into the Olympics? Me personally, no. I, I think we need to head more down towards targeting the participants, getting it into the schools. And that's why, again, we go back to, to table tennis. It went into all the schools, the social clubs, you know, your general health clubs, fitness clubs, and then people started to play. That would, could potentially be a, a method that, that squash could follow within those kind of uh, perimeters. I would go more down that route as opposed to trying to alter the game itself. Because as I said earlier, the game is as watchable and... Uh, as um, exciting at the moment as it has been for years. The only way I think that can improve is a reduction of the height of the tin, which could bring in a completely new dimension. But as, that would be the only way I'd look to, to tweak it. So, Connor. yeah, I would say, uh, and this was helpful to talk through, that the the change to get into the Olympics, I, I agree. I think maybe just the tin height could be uh, dramatic enough to make to, to alter the sport, right? And you have Olympic ice hockey rinks, you have Olympic size swimming pools, right? So you could have an Olympic version, but really aiming towards, I do think there's more iterations to be done on the getting new people into the sport. So whether it's increasing the 10 height or the ball uh, to increase accessibility and so easier to play the sport, but then also we definitely need, uh, like I think outdoor squash is a huge opportunity to get more exposure and more people just walking by and seeing it and more foot traffic literally. So yeah, I think that makes sense. On that note, Connor, for me, you could still get kind of lower ability players onto onto the lower tins. You just change the ball. You make mm-hmm. a ball that's a little bit more bouncy. So you're going to get those longer rallies. That would be the issue with the, the more beginner and intermediate levels. The rallies are short, as you see. Players try, you know, club players try to use maybe a, a double yellow uh, squash ball where it just doesn't bounce it doesn't warm up enough totally yeah you, you could adjust that i don't think we need to just get those dimensions sorted out and don't tweak too much with those aspects but T- totally agree so so we i think we've beaten that subject into the ground so maybe maybe for our next episode we'll we'll do uh, mustafa asal good for the game or not <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> just another just, just to mix it up just, just to, to mix, mix it up it. a little bit just just because we're running out of topics to talk about no that was awesome no. i appreciate it. No, no, i know thanks guys that was great it's great to be back together again so let's effort to to do this on a more regular basis not at the falls right around the corner our summers are coming to an end uh connor has said has promised that we're going to start putting out shows once again every other week looking forward to it and we may have if you guys will you guys promise to watch vision quest before no. our next show no come on I can't make any promises. But I feel Come like on, I watch it, watch it, and Are then you, we could we could talk about look, it. A, a fair timeline would be like before next year. <sighs> How about this before episode thirty? All right, now watch it, watch it, because there's a lot of layers. I even talk about like the the perversion part of it. Now, not a I feel like I've already seen it to be honest. Now. I'm not a pervert. I'm just Italian. I think that's is that the saying the saying going around the world today. Jesus, you guys are not following current events. I take it. No. <laughs> That's right. why we rely on you. All right, guys. Well, it was All a pleasure. Right. Wait, 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 wait. There's more? Hey, quick time out to hear a word from our sponsor. The innovators at ProSport LED develop custom solutions for each individual sport based on photometric studies, as well as understanding the needs of all people involved in the sport, from amateur players to the professionals, but also from the spectators to the facilities team taking care of the building. They'll develop the most technologically advanced LED lights. What's also great about this advanced LED technology is it takes the standard features, but then goes further by addressing three more problems that competitors don't. They cure any glare issues or being blinded by the lights while playing your chosen sport. Each individual slim profile fixture can be Wi-Fi enabled so you can control the lights from the phone in your pocket. And they are perfect for the digital first media approach by providing 4K quality and consistency for any film or photography needs. Go beyond standard basic lighting. ProSport LED has you covered. Your trusted source for sports facility lighting with advanced LED technology. These lights are the perfect solution for anyone building a new facility, but also easy to retrofit into existing buildings, likely saving you money in the long run. Find out more info by going to squashradio.com LED. We think they're great, and so will you. Bill, welcome back to The Appendix. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great show. We just had, uh, speaking of the appendix, now that we're probably a couple months past your episode as we're referring it to the, the actual appendicitis, how, how are you doing, more importantly? I'm doing okay. Um, thanks for asking. And That's um, what I do. I'm, I'm actually back to working out, which might surprise a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but I am. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm enjoying the workouts. And I was able to, I was on the fence about whether I'd make it to Chicago or not, but I did make it out there. And I got to tell you, A, it was great to be at an event period after sort of what we've been going through. And it was nice to be able to socialize. And there was a, a, a you know, a pretty good talk about, hey, oh, love the podcast. How's it going? Like, but there was this constant, anytime I would talk with someone about this, there was like looking over my shoulder, be like, but, but where's Bill? And the amount of disappointment that people had that was visible was high, Bill. So. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for you in that case, but, but interestingly enough, I get that look when I meet people, they're always like, oh, you're Bill after hearing me and like, you know, cause I have a pretty good voice, but you know, I, I'm just, I'm just a normal guy, man. Just a normal guy. 
just yeah. just just a boy standing in front of you trying to do a podcast. <laughs> I think that's from a movie, one of the movies we didn't talk I, about. Exactly. If there was like paparazzi, like how would you react to paparazzi? Would you like lean into it and like it? I, I would lean into it for sure. For sure. I'd do the peace sign. I'd, I'd be like Lady Gaga at the airport and like stare at them and like make them take pictures. I, I, I could tell you one quick paparazzi story. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure it's relative to anything. Um, my wife and I were in London about, I'm saying the thing is about five years ago and we were walking down the street um, and there's a bunch of paparazzi. And they're like, you could see them trailing this group and we couldn't figure out they were like maybe a block ahead of us. And we couldn't figure out who it was and like what it was, what was going on. Figured maybe you know, filming a movie. We didn't really know. And so they ducked around the corner and kind of out of our sight, out of our mind. And as we were, we were continuing walking down the street, this little moped came zipping up to us, like, zoom, like, like kind of scared us a little bit, like right up to us. And the guy like threw his, um, his moped against the curb and like, locked it because he had a camera around his neck. So he was a paparazzi. And so I said to him, I said, who are you chasing? And he said, Jeremy Clarkson. Who's that? Th that's what I said. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Jeremy Clarkson. I said, who's Jeremy Clarkson? And, and the first thing I want to hear Clarkson, I think Kelly Clarkson. So I'm thinking it's like American Idol. And I'm like, who's Jeremy Clarkson? And I said, who's Jeremy Clarkson? And he goes, he's the guy from Top Gear, which is the BBC, the big BBC oh, show. Yeah. And yeah, I, I now, now I knew because someone had just recently said that I looked like Jeremy Clarkson. Wow. And I, and I said, the guy said, oh, funny. I said, people say that I look like him. And he goes, I know. That's why I'm staring at you. You look just <laughs> like him. <laughs> All right. Remind me, Bill. I have to put out a poll of you and Jeremy Clarkson. Well, there's interesting photos I've seen of Jeremy Clarkson where sometimes, because, you know, he's not, yeah. an, he's not an attractive guy. Let's, let's just put it out there. Jeremy's not an attractive guy. There are angles of him where he does look like me. There's no. All right. Can you, can you find me? If you yes. send me the pictures, I'll put it together. I will. I will. Right. And we, we can put it up on the website. But that was my um, you look like Jeremy Clarkson moment. So the funny thing was, and just to harken back to something we talked about during, I think it was my our grudge podcast, when I played. Um, uh, well, Hugh, I was going to ask about Hugh Jackman. Yeah. So I played Hugh Jackman in squash and he put it up on his Instagram or on his social yeah. media, whatever he did. And somebody said, somebody commented on it. Is he playing Jeremy Clarkson? <laughs> no way, really? <laughs> yeah, so there you go, me and oh Jeremy. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. that was actually a big deal because, uh, I mean, Hugh has like millions of followers. I think it was like 14 million. And it was in the Daily Mail, which is like the big paparazzi. Uh, it, it's the, our, our photo together is the most liked photo in squash, um, in the history of squash. It had like, I think, because I know I had 27 likes on mine. So if you combine that, with his million and something likes that he got. It's the most liked uh, photo in squash. Um, I, I, Diego Eliash got a picture with Mark Wahlberg uh, a couple of years back. I guess they played up in Canada and it got like a bunch of likes and uh, everybody was sending it to me saying, now, yeah, this is bigger than your picture. And I, I, I just combined them because Diego had like a thousand likes and Mark Wahlberg had like, you know, 50,000 likes and uh, Hugh and I, as I like to describe us as uh, beat it by like, maybe like a do million. You, so. Do you have that with the likes photo, like uh timestamp like can you send that to me do i have it like over my bed like in a poster do you mean <laughs> is that what you're asking do you do you, do <laughs> well, you? no well no no comment life size is it no, life size no comment we have no comment <laughs> okay. at this time so world champ so yeah. it was it was good a good event um it, it went off well I'm, I'm glad did you uh um what, what what did you think compared to other events pre-pandemic i mean the event hosted at the university club is kind of a special one it's it's pretty intimate setting the, the members and the community really get into this. I mean, it's I think it's one of the rowdiest crowds you will find there. 
Um, but some some great stories. I mean, with Amanda Sobey charging into the semifinals, that was really exciting. Then um, Nor El Shabini winning her fifth title. I mean, that is just bananas. 26, 26 years old, twenty seven years, years old. old. Yeah, absolutely Gosh. crazy, absolutely. And crazy. then, and then Ali, I really didn't think he had it in the tank to go all the way personally boy was i wrong and especially on top of him just uh giving birth to his child so his child and, was born in the united states right born in the united states went and it has its citizenship and uh just after ali won he was running around frantically like trying to find noor and she came down and it was a beautiful moment where they were like in the hallway and they were just like hugging and it was, that, that was the first thing you want to do was like go see his kid. How about getting your wife to travel to another country to go have her baby so you could play squash? Like I, 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 I have to ask my wife permission to play squash like on a Sunday morning for like a 45 <laughs> minutes, like 15 minutes down the street. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, Noor, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, you having the baby in Egypt may cause me a little, a little, you know, consternation in my in my quest to win the world championship would you mind getting on a plane uh, at eight months pregnant and flying to a strange city and having your baby there i can't believe that they flew but i mean they they get to chicago at least two weeks if not three weeks before the tournament started right and right and it's so question and I, I i asked this question somewhat facetiously to pj and um he, he, he kind of blew it off but i'm gonna ask you can nor and ollie's kid play for the u.s national team since he was yeah why not he, is it a boy or it's a girl, right? I think it's a girl. Yeah, it's a girl. Yeah. So she she could play for the U.S. national because she could be an American citizen. No, one hundred percent. Yeah. How how awesome would that be? The 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 the, the Stefan I believe their name Stefanoni the Stefanoni girls and uh at like age maybe like thirty something and little Tayeb Farag playing number three that would be awesome. Right. What a, what a team. Yeah. No, it'd be great. That'd be yeah. a great story. I, I hope we're around to talk about it. I mean, they they were definitely. Um, on it in terms of trying to get citizenship like it was it wasn't an afterthought because it's you it's hard to do yeah for sure and they um um john flanagan and his team helped kind of facilitate it um just the logistics if we we could facilitate more of that we could be world champ u.s world champs in what 25 years yeah Yeah. we got to get there somehow yeah yeah yeah. so that's good i'm glad it went so it was it was a good good crowd uh the matches were excellent and now we just had manchester which is, you know, it's a silver level tournament. It had some great, ma- I mean, it had some great matches. Joel Macon played f- phenomenal until he finally ran out of gas against the Oigo Elias. But um, in the women's, uh, Hamami came back and beat uh, SJ in the uh, finals. But it's, it always seems like a minor league uh, event when there's no uh, no Sherbini and no uh, no Farag, no uh, no El Sherbagi at these events. So, I mean, yeah. as gr- tough of a field and as great the matches were, these, these those tournaments always feel a little bit triple A as opposed to um, the, the major ones. And with the major British Open coming up, I can see people skipping because it's definitely definitely wearing on the body, these back-to-back-to-back tournaments such as such as they are. I think also the COVID protocols yeah. Yeah. and the challenges there, like it's adding another layer. But certainly, I mean, the Manchester was a tear down from, um, you mm-hmm. know, the, the British Open, and but all the big players will be there. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, looking for it. I see on all these squash sites, uh, people talking about what is the uh, the biggest tournaments. And, you know, for the most part, everybody agreed. And our colleague PJ chimed in with he thought the world champs, then the British, then the U.S. Open, then the TOC, and then uh, Qatar uh, were, were the top five. And that, that was people pretty much agreed on all of those, some in different order than the others. But I think you'd have to ask the players. I think it's weird that um <laughs> that they ask it to um, non-squash players, like what they think that, that the biggest tour is like. Oh, yeah. I think the biggest tour title is this. Like, why have you ever played any of those? Uh, no, but I think it is. Yeah. So, but yeah, all good. So it was good. And um, um, so glad to have you back. It's good to be back. Um, 
uh, good podcast about movies. Uh, I hope you guys do go watch Vision Quest. So, um, oh my gosh, I know I'm gonna have yeah. a harp on this. I will mention I will mention Vision Quest in every podcast we have oh going forward gosh. until you actually watch it. PJ's trying to watch it, so at least that we could discuss it then. Is it even? I don't have Betamax. That's the problem. I feel like I thought I thought I saw it on Netflix. So go to go to Blockbuster and rent it for God's sake. I'll Can go to you, Blockbuster. Go to Blockbuster. Go to AMC. Go to AMC and rent it. Is that what AMC does? <laughs> rent movies. <laughs> right after uh, uh, I, I finished up shopping at Tower Records, I'll head over. <laughs> exactly the case. So it's good to be back, Connor. Um, it's good to have our, our appendix. It's good to have PJ back in the United States. So we're gonna do some uh, more. Yeah, do some more. Have some great shows. Have some good interviews coming up. Um, we. Uh, I was gonna we, ask. So I, when I do my other uh, long form interview, I've got a guest that I'd be curious if you had a question for them. It's Alex Goff, the CEO of the PSA. Whoa, that's so a good one. So, so have you never interviewed him before? I haven't yet. No, you don't. You don't hear him on a lot of podcasts, which is interesting because you would think he'd be like the n- number one target for all these, you know, these Squatch podcasts that are out there. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the que- the question that for Alex, and I'm sure he has a stock answer for it. Unfortunately, is um, making that transition from player to actually CEO of the tour and kind of trying to distance himself. I mean, I, I had friends in college who then became like assist, like they played uh, college sports and then became assistant coaches when they graduated on the same team they played. So they had a lot of teammates who were their teammates and now they were their assistant coach and they kind of had to distance themselves. And it was always very awkward at like, you know, social functions, having beers with people that you you were coaching. And so for Alex to go from being, you know, a, 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 a renowned player to becoming the CEO of the tour, how he distanced himself from uh, the, the players because he needs to obviously, right? He can't, he, yeah, even no, if it's you, perceived. So that's a, I think that would be interesting. He probably has a stock answer, but it'd be interesting to see how the transition was and how long it took to make that transition. He, um, uh, we actually, it's like you were reading our minds, Bill. We talked about that in the pre-interview, mm-hmm. um, and that's a topic we'll bring up. So yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd be, I'd be interested to hear about that, and also. Uh, I'm always interested what he when when players of in whether he'll comment on this either players of his stature when he was on tour what he thinks about the quality of play now compared to it's kind of a boring question but like could he play on the tour now mm, does, does he I get think, you. does he think he could play at his like you know obviously not at his age but when he was playing could he still play on this on this current um, you know incarnation of the tour I'm always interested to hear what older players think because in other yeah. sports people say. There's people who say, yes, he could play in any era. He could do this in any era. And then do you believe people, that when people say that? 100% no. 100% no. There's no way. Like, I mean, I guess when you go too far back to like a Babe Ruth, right? Like, there's no way he could do that. Well, but like, I, I, I look by, I look at football, you know, and it's a weird sport to, to compare with anything like American football because the players, uh, like linebackers, like people were linebackers in the NFL, like even 20 years ago, weighed at 210 pounds. Yeah. And that's just not happening these days. And, and, you know, speed, the size and the speed of the players, I just don't think so. There, there's, I think some quarterbacks probably could have played because, you know, if you're an athlete and you could throw the ball. But I think where it's the, the linemen, uh, the defensive backs and the running backs, I, I don't think they could play in this day and age because I think the athletes are just so much bigger and stronger. And yeah. So, yeah, I always I always think that it's uh, that the, these players can could not have played in this era. So. Good to know. Well, uh, thanks, Connor. You're you're... <laughs> I appreciate my, your my... I appreciate your support on that one. No, my mind was already heading towards uh, time to go. Uh, time to go. Time All right, go. good. But We're it's... at 15 minutes. It's a long appendix, so after we cut it down, we'll uh, we'll get it down to a palpable 10 minutes. So yeah, but uh, you know, as always, guys, the toss any uh, topic suggestions or guests uh, you might like to have on here. Uh, we we'll always uh, love reading what you guys have to say. 
Um, yes. Squashradio at gmail.com. That's squashradio at gmail.com. Squash is coming back. We have the British Open, NetSuite, U.S. Open. So uh, squash is uh, starting to, I mean, Delta variant. Who knows? But uh, hopefully, know. thing, hopefully things keep going forward. Uh, look forward to more shows. And as always, um, good night, Kaylee.